I would cry if my carpool was late to pick me up. And I would just, I would, mom, can you please call them? They're late. And people asking you, oh, are you going to go on to be the Olympic champion now? And, you know, you have pressure from sponsors. You have pressure from, you know, your coaches. And, and it was not an easy decision to make. Um, you know, growing up, I always had, you know, these two major goals in my mind. One was to be an Olympian and the other one was to be a college gymnast. Because I had to get up so early, I did fall asleep in the majority of my classes that year. <laughs> yeah. Hello and welcome back to Redirected. My name is Andrew East and this is a show where we talk about how to make it through life's unexpected events. We all go through them, but how to successfully maneuver through them is a different task altogether. Today we sit down with an absolute legend, Olympic gold medalist and the newly named head coach of Arkansas Gymnastics, Jordan Weber. She's just 23 years old and has experienced some truly amazing things in life, but also some awful things that she's going to talk about how she made it through those to be where she is today. I'm so glad to call her a friend. I'm honored that she took the time to be on my podcast, and I think you're going to love this one with Jordan Weber. Jordan Weber, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I would like to first just personally uh, personally congratulate you and welcome you to the SEC. Thank you. Thank you so much. Woo pig suey. That's right. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you do. I was watching the, the interview of when you got hired and the whole chant. We don't have to do that live right now, but um, <laughs> but you're pretty you're a natural at it. So uh, I think you'll like the competition that you see down here. You know, I'm a Vandy grad, so some some deep yeah. SEC blood going there. Yes, it's very exciting. I'm excited to be shifting into the SEC. It's obviously, I mean, a competitive conference, but it's 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 unlike any other. So I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm excited to hear that story, um, and I do just have to tell you. As we start off here, I just have the chills. We've known each other, I guess, like, you know, we, we don't know each other super well, but I guess we've been acquaintances for five years or so. And it's been so amazing to see you evolve and grow and just kill it. Like, you've continually impressed me. So, so hats off to you. Um, I would love if we could start off for you to tell us uh, what your upbringing was like. I know you're from Michigan, but tell us about your family and and all that. Yeah. So I grew up in Michigan. I'm in a small town kind of near Lansing. So Michigan State University, that's kind of what I grew up around. Um, in, I was born into a very athletic family. Um, so my mom runs marathons still to this day. Um, she's done multiple in her lifetime. My dad was, um, a football player, you know, growing up, um, extremely athletic. My older sister also does marathons. Um, my brother was a quarterback of our high school football team and you know my younger sister's also really athletic so it was just kind of a thing where you know if you're born into the Weaver family you're gonna be sporty you're gonna do sports yeah. um but you know I was kind of the first person in my family to do gymnastics um and I was you know the reason I got into the sport was initially um my parents kind of noticed that when I was really young I had these muscles like naturally at age two like it, it was a kind of a weird thing and they're like she kind of like she kind of looks like a gymnast. She's already muscular. Like, let's put her in it and see if she likes it. So that was kind of, you know, the start of my gymnastics and, and athletic career. Um, but, you know, I have, I'm so blessed with a great family and hardworking parents. Um, you know, they supported me along my entire journey and still do, um, e even post gymnastics and, um, just, you know, I decided to go to college far away, but I'm still such a big family person and try to get back home as much as I can. But, um, 
but yeah, just, I mean, I did the whole gymnastics thing growing up and that was my life and, and there wasn't much else. There wasn't time to do much else. So gymnastics was my life. Um, have you caught the marathon bug yet? Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, so it's funny because, um, you know, my mom's body type is like, she's, she's got like the runner's body type, you know, she's like, real skinny and light and just natural for running. My dad is more muscular, uh, strong. I totally got my dad's genes, uh, which obviously helped me for gymnastics. But um, I, you know, three miles is like a comfortable distance for me. And anything past that does not feel natural. Um, I, I, I have ran a 10 K so that's the furthest I've ever run in a race, but you know, maybe one day marathon, I'm not sure. Yeah. Do you, do you enjoy running? Do you enjoy like cardio or like more of the intense, like high interval and in, intensity training? I enjoy cardio, but I like to do classes like soul cycle, Barry's camp, orange theory, those kinds of things. Um, I find it, you know, to be more interesting. I, I do like running cause I like being outside and I think it's really therapeutic. Yeah. Um, especially when I'm stressed out. But, you know, th- like I said, three miles is a good amount. 30 minutes does the job for me. Do, uh, do they have SoulCycle in Fayetteville? No, they don't. <laughs> it's going to be a change for yeah. you. I'm excited. I might get a Peloton or something. I heard those are awesome and kind of the same idea. Yes. Yeah, I would definitely look into that. Um, so from what I've gathered, uh, athleticism isn't the only thing that runs in the family. Sounds like your whole family is pretty intense and competitive in everything they do. Is that true? Yeah, you could say that's true. I, I might, I might be the most competitive and the most intense out of everybody, but you, I guess you could say that's true. Yeah. Was there, was there some story that I heard about you being like a young gymnast and you being mad at your mom because you're late at practice or is that how the story goes? Yeah, I, I was a very intense child. To the point <laughs> where, you know, I was, um, you know, my mom would take me to doctor's appointments and I was, you know, two, three years old and um, there would be little things that I would just, you know, be so intent on. And the doctor would say, I think, I think she's got like, you know, something special about her, something unique. She seems very intense, like for a child, her age. Um, and then that kind of transformed into me being, um, really intense about gymnastics, obviously, cause that was my life and got to the point where, um, I was carpooling to practice cause my parents work and couldn't drive me every day. And I would cry if my carpool was late pick me up and I would just I would, mom can you please call them they're late and but if we were late to practice we had to climb the rope which you know there's a there's a big rope in the gym I'm sure everyone can imagine and if you're late you have to climb the rope and nobody wanted to climb the rope so um I yeah yeah I was very intense um but I just you know I've always kind of been like that always been kind of detail-oriented perfectionistic type um a little intense I've, I've loosened up a little bit over the years but definitely growing up in gymnastics I was intense okay well, your gymnastics career was legendary. I was just talking to Sean and she was like reiterating, obviously you're an Olympic gold medalist, but she was like, Jordan Weaver is a legend. Um, so you were world champion at what age? 16. 16 world champion. Um, can you tell us some of the lessons that you learned from gymnastics? Just to kind of briefly summarize your gymnastics career. Yeah. I mean, I, I learned pretty much every lesson that you has to offer. Um, I would say, you know, the main ones, um, you know, I've always been a goal setter, 
but gymnastics really teaches you, you know, you have, you know, growing up, I always had this goal of wanting to be an Olympian and wanting to go to the Olympics, but you can't go into practice every day just thinking, okay, I'm working towards the Olympics and working towards the Olympics. You really can't think about the Olympics at all. And so I learned how to set these smaller short-term goals, even more long-term goals that weren't quite the Olympics, like, you know, getting a certain score. And, and it really taught me how to set goals for myself and, and work really hard to get them and have that motivation every day and, and fueling that motivation by my goals. Um, so I'd say goal setting is one of the number one things. Obviously, it teaches you things like time management, hard work, discipline, all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, you know, I, I've always said I think gymnastics is the number one sport to learn life lessons because gymnastics is so hard. I know you're a football player, so you might, you might like put up a good fight about that one because my brother used to argue with me all the time about how football was harder than gymnastics. Um, but I, I do think it's, it's one of the best for learning life lessons because it's so challenging in so many ways. You have to be not only strong, but you have to be mentally strong. You have to be flexible. You have to be dynamic. You have to be powerful. You have to be all these different things at one time. Um, and that takes a lot of work and a lot of discipline. And, um, and you know, now I'm able to take those lessons and directly apply them to my life after gymnastics. I think that's so amazing. This is what's, this is what's cool about, about you. And um, one of the things I admire is you're, you're an Olympic gymnast. And for a lot of people, uh, that event is the defining moment and a lot of times the peak moment of their life. Uh, but it hasn't been the case for you. I mean, you have, you have accomplished like so many more substantial things since then, but I do want you to tell the story. Uh, and you mentioned this in one of your interviews that you feel like your experience at the Olympics, you going in, um, the world, the all around world champion the year before the Olympics. And then the whole thing that transpired at the Olympics really helped prepare you for who you are now. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, I feel like in life we all have these kind of expectations of the way things are supposed to go. And we, you know, like I said, I talk about goal setting, we set goals, you know, when I think back to my Olympic experience and, um, you know, going from being the world champion and all around. And then that year leading up to the Olympics, it's, it's full of all these moments of, people asking you, oh, are you going to go on to be the Olympic champion now? And, you know, you have pressure from sponsors, you have pressure from, you know, your coaches. And, and, and I think as gymnasts, we naturally put a lot of pressure on ourselves too. So, you know, all these dynamics were going on. And then I went to the Olympics and didn't even have a bad day. It just was not my best day and finished fourth on the first, on the qualification day. And, you know, people from the outside looking in thought, you know, oh, fourth place, that's pretty good. Fourth place in the whole world. In the Olympics, not bad, but because of that rule where only two per country can qualify, I didn't even get a chance to, to qualify onto the all-around, and um, to me, that was just, it was so devastating. I mean, to have such a big goal and a big dream, and not only that, but all the expectations and the pressure, um, it just felt like the world was crashing in, and, um, and then not only that, but two days later, I had to you know, put my own self aside and compete for the team, which you know, was sort of an, an innate response for me because I've always been, you know, it's always, for me, it's always been easier to do things for other people than it has been for myself. I've always felt more confident in team competitions than I did in individual ones. And um, I don't know what that is. It's just kind of how I grew up. One thing that I talk about a lot, which I feel like is tragic, but also inherent in being an ambitious athlete in particular is like this treadmill of goals that you have. And so here you are at the world champion 
in the all around and people are automatically asking you and maybe in your mind you're asking yourself like okay is the olympic champion next um and i feel like that's again it's like you need to continually raise the bar but at what point are you are you content in what you've accomplished so far you know mm-hmm. yeah and it and i totally agree with you and the weirdest thing is you know now that it's there's been a few years since that experience. I look back and I don't even view it as a failure anymore. Hmm. Um, at the time it felt like the biggest failure I could ever experience. And now, you know, based on my experiences since then, I, I don't even really believe in the word with the word failure because every single thing I believe that we go through leads us on the path that we're supposed to be on. And, you know, maybe it doesn't feel like that at the time, but everything that we go through, we learn something from it. We learn what not to do. We learn what to do differently next. And it really creates something special inside of us. I think, you know, having gone through that experience, it's prepared me to handle 99% of the other things that I've gone through in my life. And that is so amazing. And I'm, I wouldn't go back and change that experience for the world. You get me pumped up, Jordan. Gosh, (laughs) preach it. Preach it, girl. (laughs) Oh gosh, that is such, that is such wise words. And I feel like one critical component that we might be leaving out though, that you again have embodied very well is when you do have what some people could call failures, like there is a point where you could say, oh, that's, that's going to stop whatever progress I'm going to make for the rest of my life. You know what I'm saying? Like instead of viewing that as a failure and like a a hard stop, you said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have that shape me in a different way. And I'm going to use that as, as, as fodder to, to progress. So I just, I just love that. And again, you, you get me pumped up. Um, (laughs) You did have some, can you talk about another obstacle that you overcame? I think you tore your hamstring and didn't compete for, was it 15 months? Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Well, I mean, how do you, as a gymnast, not, not compete for 15 months and still bounce back like you did? It's, it's hard. I think, you know, injuries are inevitable for any athlete in any sport. Um, but that one was particularly difficult because, you know, my hamstring, it pulled off of my Mm. butt bone essentially. Um, and I would be driving home from practice and I, like, I couldn't even, it hurt to sit down. That's how bad it was. Um, and you know, anyone who knows me as a gymnast knows I wasn't the most flexible. I was always one of the strong guest, but flexibility was something that was really difficult for me. Um, so I had to spend almost as much time stretching during practice as I did conditioning. Um, and for a long time, and I, I did not like that. It bothered me. And, um, and I would sit in the splits and my coach would push me down and I would fight. I would like almost tense up because it hurt and I didn't want to. Um, and then after that injury, I really had to, had to learn how to kind of switch my perspective on, on a couple of things. First, you know, the amount of stretching I had to do, I learned to relax into it, um, and not fight it so much. Um, which is hard to do. And the second thing was I, I had to learn how to, how to attack my weaknesses. Um, you know, when I was injured, my lower, it was my lower body. So I had to do a lot of bars and bars is the, the hardest event for me. So I, since it was the only event I really could do, um, it gave me a chance to improve in another area. And I think anytime an athlete goes through an injury, it, it I, I like to see it as an opportunity okay, what can you do differently now that you're restricted or you have to modify your training to get better in some other, other area that maybe you didn't have time to focus on before? Um, so I call it attacking your weaknesses. Um, and I think, you know, coming back from that injury, I was able to be a better bar worker because I, I saw it as an opportunity instead of a setback. 
One of my least favorite things is uh, looking at videos of, of gymnastics coaches stretching their athletes, like pushing them down as they're – oh, my gosh. That's torture. I think, I think that's some form of torture. It, it really is. It's um, <laughs> so when did you turn pro in gymnastics? Right after I won the world championships in 2011. Easy decision to make or was there a lot of deliberation? It was not an easy decision to make. Um, you know, growing up, I always had, you know, these two major goals in my mind. One was to be an Olympian and the other one was to be a college gymnast. Huh. And after I became the world champion, I was getting all these calls from agents and sponsors and, um, and they were wanting an answer. And, you know, on one hand, I saw it as an, as an awesome opportunity because I would get to, you know, make money to do my sport and be able to, to do all these amazing, amazing things like commercial shoots and, and, and all these get sponsorships. And, and, and at 15, that seemed really awesome to me. <laughs> and, um, and then on the other hand, you know, I would have to give up being able to do college gymnastics, which is something I really, really wanted to do. Um, so it took a lot of, you know, sitting down with my parents and you know, kind of looking at, okay, you know, they hadn't saved for my college education. I, I was pretty much banking on getting a scholarship. So, um, it, you know, I, I had to think about, you know, this is a huge risk. If I go pro and get injured the next day, I don't have any money to go to college. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have that, that benefit from my parents. So, um, it was really a risk, but you know, I believed in myself enough to take the risk. Um, and you know, a big part of that decision was the fact that at the time UCLA was my top school is my top choice. I was going to go compete there in, in college. And so I called the UCLA head coach, Miss Val and said, you know, if I decide to go pro and I take money, can I still come to school there and at least be a part of the team in some shape or form? And she said, absolutely, yes. So that was kind of like the, the last thing I needed was to know that I would still be able to have the experience that a college athlete gets, but not be able to compete and still be able to go pro and have all those opportunities. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've ever felt like there is something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp has online counseling that is there for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, grief, self-esteem, and more. You can connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. Anything you share is confidential, and it is so convenient. You can now get help at your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. If you are not happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. And for redirected listeners, you can get 10% off your first month with discount code EAST. That's E-A-S-T. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com forward slash EAST. You simply fill out a questionnaire that's going to help assess your needs and you get matched with a counselor that you're going to love. Again, that's betterhelp.com forward slash east, and you will get 10% off your first month. Anyone who's had a migraine knows that they are the absolute worst. And if you've seen any of our most recent videos, you know that Sean has recently been getting migraines, and they are no fun for her. They're no fun for me. But the good news is that now it's a little easier to treat your migraine from the comfort of your own home thanks to Cove. Cove starts out with a simple consultation by a licensed physician, and then the prescription that they determine is best for you is sent directly to your door. 
After your consultation, your doctor creates and tailors your individual course of treatment. Cove then reaches out a few weeks after to see how you're feeling. Cove breaks down everything you need to know about migraines and migraine treatment. And a doctor who is licensed to practice medicine in the state that you live in will be the one who prescribes your monthly medication and oversees your progress. All migraine medication prescribed by the doctors at Cove is FDA approved. So if you suffer from migraines, the last thing you need is to have to wait to see your doctor. With Cove, there's finally a way to get the help you need when you need it. And when you use my special link, you'll get your first month of treatment for free. Go to withcove.com slash east. That's W-I-T-H-C-O-V-E dot com slash E-A-S-T. Withcove.com slash east. So from my understanding, you were like, uh, what is it called? Setting boards and moving mats to 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 be a part of the team, but you're also training for elite gymnastics. Is that what happened? Yeah. So when I went in as a freshman at UCLA, I was still training in gymnastics. Um, and there's all these rules with NCAA where um, I wasn't allowed to train with the team at the same time. So I would have to go in and practice um, at about six or six thirty in the morning until the team got there at eight or eight thirty. Um, and then at that time I would stop training and I would, and I was a team manager. That was the role that, that was available for the team. And so as a team manager, I was doing anything the team needed, setting boards, chalking bars, moving mats, uh, making sure they all had matching clothes. Um, you know, getting pep talks, to the girls, literally anything and everything the team needed, uh, to be successful that was in gymnastics. Um, and at the time, you know, I didn't really realize that that wasn't something that, Olympic gold medalists don't do. I didn't think of that, think of it that way at all. I just thought, you know, this is my team. I'm going to help my team. And if this is the only way I can do it, I'm going to do it. Um, and so I was kind of training and balancing that at the same time. And then at some point I decided to retire, um, in my freshman year. And I just wanted to, to fully jump in with UCLA and be a college student and kind of have that normal experience. And um, it was time to close that chapter in the book. And then I fully embraced that role of being a team manager for the following two years after that. First of all, I'm not sure I would have woken up before 8 a.m. as a freshman in college had I not had like a coach writing me all day, every day about doing morning workouts. Did you have a coach out there? Yeah. I mean, the co- okay. the coach- and sometimes the girls on the team would come in and, and kind of be with me. But um, I, I have to admit, it did – because I had to get up so early, I did fall asleep in the majority of my classes that year. <laughs> yes. um, I'm not proud of that. Still <laughs> passed, still passed, but um, it, was, it was hard for sure. Gosh. Um, are you aware of any other elite gymnasts who did what you did? As f- I don't think so. No. One thing that I thought was important about your story too was you mentioned the decision to retire came after your, uh, you no longer had a goal that you were chasing after. Talk to us about the psychology of that. Yeah. So, I mean, I talked about this before, but you know, goals were always the thing that, that motivated me every day and yeah. going and, you know, gymnastics, it, like I said, is so hard. It's, it's, it's nearly impossible to get yourself motivated if you don't have a goal. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many you know, pieces of the puzzle when you're in gymnastics, you know, like I said, strength and flexibility and the skills and, and you're dealing with injuries and all of that. And, um, I found myself when I was at 
at UCLA already and having to get up that early and train, I found myself just kind of going through the motions. And um, obviously, I felt like I had something else to prove uh, based on my Olympic experience. And I felt like I wanted to make another Olympic team so I could come back and be the all-around champion. And you know, after getting to college, I, I started to realize you know, that wasn't as important to me as I thought it was. Um, which eventually led me to the perspective I have today of, of not even viewing that as a failure. Um, so when, when I lost that desire or that, that sense of I, I need to come back and be the all-around champion, when I lost that, then I realized, okay, it's time for me to, to close that chapter and move on to the next thing. And, and I'm so glad I did it when I did it because um, you know, I've gotten the chance to, to, to experience life that doesn't involve training. Um, and that's a really hard transition for a lot of athletes. It's, it's hard to give up the sport that we've done since we were three, four years old. It's, it's not easy for anybody. Um, but, but I, I was lucky that I had that kind of natural transition of still being in the gym, but not training. Um, so that's kind of how that whole process worked. Why did you study psychology at UCLA? That was, you know, my psych major was was hugely inspired by my experience in gymnastics. Um, I, at a young age, started watching sports psych videos, reading books about the power of the mind, visualizing a lot, just kind of, um, you know, firsthand understanding, you know, how I can use my mind to help myself prepare for competition and compete under pressure. And so originally, you know, when I first went to college, I was going to be a sports psychologist. And then that kind of transformed into, um, okay, I want to be a leadership coach. I want to work in the business world and coach, you know, executives and CEOs on how to be great leaders. Um, and that kind of transformed into, for a while, I wanted to be a therapist and then now a coach. But, um, you know, I just love, I love learning about people and the way people think and why they behave the way they do, why they, why they react the way they do. I think it's fascinating. Um, I love psychology even now that I'm done with school. Um, and it was just, I wanted to study something that, I, that was interesting. So you transitioned from being a team manager to an assistant coach. Um, what did you, you were in charge of floor mostly from what I understand during, by the way, an epic period of UCLA gymnastics where I feel like every day there's some new viral clip of somebody yeah. at UCLA doing a floor routine. Uh, what did you learn as an assistant coach? Yeah. Um, I didn't want to be a coach ever, um, until I started coaching college, love college gymnastics. Um, and I was, you know, my first question to Miss Val was, okay, what do I, what do I do when I don't know when a girl's landing on her face and I don't know what to tell her? She's like, no, no, no. Like majority of the time, if someone's falling on their face over and over again, there's not a single technical correction that you can give them that will fix it. Usually it's something going on up here. So combining that with what I've learned in psychology, um, it's, it's allowed me to, to view coaching in a different light. Coaching is, is not about, um, technique. It's not about the actual skills. It's about motivating people to change and motivating people to, to, um, to want to, to make changes in their life and in their gymnastics and eventually reach their own goals. Um, so, I, I mean, I've learned everything about coaching, you know, from UCLA and um, it's led me to where I'm at now. Um, coaching is, is, is one of the best careers, I think. So I had the pleasure of watching you coach at a couple meets and you mentioned that some coaches view that motivation as being like really hard and like this the cold driving force, but your um, approach kind of sounds like 
you want to bring a more well-rounded, balanced approach to coaching, but still maintain that discipline. How are you, how are you doing that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think about why we do the sport of gymnastics or why girls do the sport of gymnastics is because they love it. I mean, that's why anyone does any sport. Um, it's for the passion and I don't ever want to push somebody or an athlete so far to the point where they don't enjoy it anymore. So to me, um, you know, there's kind of that, that balance as a coach of, you know, setting really high standards and expecting a lot out of the athletes um, and pushing them to work hard and, and, and reach goals, but not pushing too far to the point where they don't enjoy it anymore. Um, so I think, you know, as a coach, I have a style where I come, I come from a place of been, I've been there. I've gone through these same things not too long ago. Um, and this is how it felt for me in, in relating to them on a personal level. Um, and, and I feel that if I can help build their confidence, then, then they can, they can accomplish anything. They can accomplish anything on the competition floor and then they can go into their lives after college and accomplish anything. And I really think it all starts with confidence. So that's my goal is to kind of find that balance, but at the same time, just, just daily building their confidence in any way that I can. Wow. Um, can you tell us the story with as much as you're, uh, you want to, or you can of how the head coaching job at Arkansas came to be? Cause you're 23 years old. How did, do, how does one even achieve what you just did? Yeah. So I've, I was, I've been coaching at UCLA for the past three years. Um, and about, I would say after the first year, maybe into the second year, I started to realize I wanted to be a head coach someday. Um, you know, I kind of thought it was more far off into the future. Um, I thought, you know, I'll probably be an assistant coach for a while, learn as much as I can. And then I want to be a going to be a head coach. Um, and then you know, this past year, um, I knew that Mark Cook, the head coach at Arkansas was retiring and, um, I thought, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll apply. I'll see if, you know, I can get the job. Um, and the, the more I thought about it, the more prepared I felt and the more ready I felt to take on that challenge. And, um, and I'm not the type of person that's going to act like I know what it, what it takes to be a head coach. I'm still learning every single day I'm learning 10 new things. Um, and that's, that's one of the number one things I said in my job interview is that, you know, I can guarantee you that I'm not going to know everything, but I'm going to do everything it takes to figure it out. Um, and I've always kind of, you know, lived life that way. It's like, if there's something I don't know how to do, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to work hard at it. Um, and so, you know, when the, when they offered me the job, I was, it was obviously, yes, I'm going to take it because it's, it's in the SEC. It's an amazing program. Mark Cook has done an incredible job so far. He started the program and built it to where it's at now, but I also saw a lot of potential in the team. And I see that, you know, with a little, with some things dialed in here and there with, you know, consistency and strength and conditioning and the skill level that they can be a national championship winning team. So, um, I see that potential and I'm excited to, to, to be in Arkansas and, and, you know, build my own legacy as a coach and, and build this program up and help as many student athletes as I can. I'm so excited to be at the front end of the impact that you're going to have there. And just like, you already know when you have a conversation with Jordan Weber that you're, you're destined for great things. And like, Every time we talk, I feel like you're just chasing after that, and it's fantastic. I'm getting the I'm getting the chills um, as we talk because I was watching what was it like a four years later thing on YouTube, and at the very end, Miss Val says, uh, "I think 
that Jordan will will be the head coach, maybe even at UCLA in like 15 years. But like, bottom line is this was this was taken like five years ago, and fast yeah. forward, here you are as the head coach of Arkansas, and mm-hmm. um, it just seems like you've you've not only had wonderful people in your life, but you've also um, done your best to invest in them, and that investment has has been returned to you. So hats off to you. Thank you. Um, okay. What goals do you have now, Jordan? Okay. So I would say, is there like a certain number I need to give or just like, no, goal? Okay. no it's open-ended. Uh, I would say, you know, my number one goal is to impact the lives of the athletes that I coach, um, as many as I can. And for as long as I can, um, that's why I coach. I just, I want to help other people and I want to help these girls, uh, reach their own goals. Um, so, you know, I'd say that's, that's, that's the biggest goal is to impact the lives of the girls on the team. Um, another big goal is to, to win a national championship with Arkansas. Um, you know, I, I understand that's not going to be an overnight thing. It's going to take, you know, a couple of years of rebuilding and, um, figuring out, you know, how to run a gymnastics program and, um, you know, get, the, get the right staff in place to help me do that. So, um, I don't know how long that goal will take, but, you know, I hope, I hope, you know, less time is better. <laughs> um, I want to win national championships as a coach. Um, what else? Those are, those are kind of the main ones, but, um, yeah, I just, I think to continue to allow, to continue to surround myself with, with the people that I have over the past few years, I've been so fortunate to have great people in my life and great family and great mentors. And so to continue doing that. Yeah, that's great. What are three takeaways that you've learned over your journey that might apply to the broader audience? I would say the first one is um, surround yourself with with people that are going to build you up and, and help you and motivate you. Um, I think, you know, as young people, it's it's easy to just hang out with the people that we like hanging out with and uh, people that are fun. But, you know, I've chosen over the past years especially – to surround myself with people that are going to give it to me straight, tell me, tell me like it is support me, but also, um, you know, give me advice and give me real honest advice when I need it. Um, I think that's, that's the number one thing is to find those, who those people are and, and hang out with them and talk with them often. Yeah. Um, I would say, um, the next piece of advice would be, to put yourself in uncomfortable situations as often as you can. Um, I think that's the best way to, to grow. I mean, you know, when it comes to your career, when it comes to, um, you know, challenging yourself in school and all of that, that's, that's what I mean. You know, the best way to grow and the quickest way to grow is to, is to, is to become comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And I think in the end, you know, when I, when I, people ask me, you know, how do you, why do you feel prepared to be a head coach after only three years of volunteer coaching? Um, and I, and I tell them I made the conscious choice, especially over the past year, but definitely over the past three years to constantly challenge myself and put myself in uncomfortable situations. And that's how I learned because I learned by actually doing it. Um, so that's the second one. Um, another takeaway, I think, gosh, it's so hard to choose. Um, I think just, just, no, just knowing that, you know, when I talk about resilience earlier, um, I really feel like going, you know, being in a sport like gymnastics every single time, like I said, I fell off the beam, had to get back up or experienced a failure, had to get back, get back up. I was slowly building, you know, my, 
resilience. And I think um, a good takeaway for everybody is is just to know that you have the choice to be resilient. You have you, you may not have control over the things that happen in your life. You may not have control over results or scores or um, events that happen, wh- whatever they may be. But you do have a choice in how you respond to everything. Um, and I think we have to constantly remind ourselves of that because it's easy to feel victim to the circumstances in our lives. And, and you know, for me, what happened in the Olympics, it would be easy for me to still feel like I had failed, but, but I had a choice in how I responded to that. And I, I chose to, to, to view it differently. And I chose to, to view it as a situation that's going to make me resilient for the next situation when something happens, because it will happen. Um, so I'd, I'd say that's, that's the third takeaway is, is just understanding we, have, we all have a choice to how we respond to things. Jordan, I love your story. Thank you for sharing it. Uh, when I think of the word perseverance, I think you will be the person that I think of. Um, when I think of the word resilient, you will be the person I think of. Thank you for embodying that. Um, thank you for all you're doing for the sport of gymnastics. And uh, Arkansas couldn't have got a, a better head coach. So I'm super pumped for you and what you're going to do down there. Thank you so much. Thanks for, thanks for your time, Jordan. We'll talk. Thanks for having me. If you haven't yet, please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review if you feel called to. Uh, It really helps the show out, and um, I love having a new audience. I love hearing what you guys think, and I love having you come back every single week. 